What are you afraid of? Are you willing to admit it? What is the one thing that makes you scared? <clears throat> Let's see. Are you afraid of paying taxes? Are you afraid of being alone? Are you afraid of not having enough money? Are you afraid of the dark? What are you really afraid of, and would you be willing to admit it? Perhaps it's not uh, being alone. Perhaps it's not uh, some abstract thing. Maybe you're afraid of someone. Someone in your life that strikes fear in your heart. What are you afraid of? Jesus seems to ask the question and get right to the issue when he's given instructions to his disciples and, and, and wants to address them in such a way where they understand what they're getting themselves into. If you brought a Bible, please open your books to the book of Matthew. That's where we've been, Matthew chapter 10. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, thank you for being here, for returning for our, our morning worship. We are following a trend here. We're following uh, a, a line of thought. Jesus is uh, describing what he's uh, put as a purpose into the lives of his disciples, his apprentices. And today we're going to continue on practice. We are in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus has been talking to his disciples, trying to get them to understand his ideas, his concepts, his principles, the way he sees the world. And as he's looking around, looking across and surveying the landscape, he turns to his disciples and he says, that's where I'm sending you. You've been here with me, watching, learning, but now it's time for you to do something. You recall from a few weeks ago that we've been uh, discussing this, this, this chapter, the, this, this train of thought. Jesus says the world is like a full harvest. It's ripe and it's ready and it just needs workers. And then he turns to his disciples, chapter 9, and there of chapter 9 and beginning of chapter 10. And he says, so I'm going to send you out. But consider how this begins to unravel for the disciples. First of all, by the time we read this story, the disciples have been able to watch Jesus in action, see him do amazing things, and, and, and uh, they've been sort of proud of it. Their hearts have been swelling with a little bit of pride, and, and, and they've been thinking, looking forward to when they were going to get their hands into the mix. But I think in a lot of ways they misunderstood what Jesus was training them to do. I think they thought, that they were going to somehow be able to have Jesus with them all the time, like a big brother. You know how it's easy to pick a fight when you've got a big brother? You know, like uh, you, you, uh, you think a little more of yourself when you've got a big brother. You, you, you try to take on people a little bit bigger. And I think they thought that watching Jesus do stuff and, and ha having him uh, do miraculous events, they thought, oh, we're going to get in on this action, but he's always going to be there to sort of like back us up. But here, here in chapter 10, Jesus says, okay, look at the vastness of the, of, of the work that needs to be done, so I'm going to send you out. You recall this? Because we studied this a couple of weeks ago, and he says, so as I'm getting ready to send you out, I'm going to give you authority. But it's a different kind of authority. It's an authority for healing it's an authority for cleansing. 
not an authority for overpowering. Very important. So the disciples are going through this, this sort of roller coaster of emotions. First of all, they see Jesus' wild success. People are flocking to him. Then Jesus says, I'm going to send you out. Uh-oh, I'm a little scared. Then Jesus says, but I'll give you authority. Oh, that's fantastic, but it's not the kind you're thinking about. Uh-oh. Up and down this goes. And he moves on and he says, <clears throat> and I want you to go and I want you to preach. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Uh, uh, the disciples are thinking, I don't know if we can do that. I'm not sure. And then he says, and by the way, whenever you go someplace and you enter, if they don't receive you, remember from last week, if they don't receive you, you can just wipe the dust off your feet. So the disciples are all, oh, okay, that's great. There are some sort of consequences for those who don't accept what we've got to say. So they're riding this emotional roller coaster. And then Jesus says these words. Uh, please look with me. Chapter 10, book of Matthew, verse 17. Be on your guard against men. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. <clears throat> I've been trying to think about like the, the emotions that were going through the disciples' minds. And, and you know, there's, there's different disciples and they all sort of interacted with Jesus differently. There were those like, like Peter who were always out in front. And there were others who probably, you know, held their place behind them. We don't hear much about them. Others who had their, their particular uh, <clears throat> niche in the grouping. And I've been trying to think about what was going through their heads as they would hear these instructions from Jesus, this sort of roller coaster where he says, so be shrewd as snakes, but innocent as doves. This, this constant push and pull, this tension. And then <clears throat> he says, be on your guard against men because they will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. You know what the word flog means? Yes? Have you ever been flogged? <clears throat> I grew up in a different country, <laughs> and in my country, <laughs> uh, <laughs> parents have permission to <laughs> flog. <laughs> um, I, I'm not kidding. Um, uh, the, you know, uh, I don't know if you, some of you guys are from third world countries like me, but when, when we got a spanking, uh, it wasn't, you know, time out. Uh, uh <laughs> It was, <laughs> it, it was a real spanking, and it wasn't with, with, with uh, this kind of belt. No, no, no. Um, in, in Bolivia, there's a special belt. It's called Kim Sacharani, um, and it's, it's made of um, woven leather, kind of a, a thick braided leather. And in the end, uh, the, the single strand breaks into three strands, and they have a nice little knot on the end. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and... Uh, and that's what we get our <laughs> discipline with. Um, uh, flogging's worse than that. F the, the flogging that, that would occur uh, because it was permitted, it was part of the, it was part of the, uh, the religious cycle, the religious thought. People who were uh, caught in the act and were trying to be disciplined, they would have permission, the council would have permission to flog them. Uh, as you know, because you read the stories that, some of the disciples were flogged and Jesus himself. But their, their whips were, were bigger, longer, and they would have pieces of, of, of pottery and bones in it. And uh, they would hit you in the back. It would just tear you up. And, and, and uh, the, the disciples would have known this. They may have even witnessed or heard 
or seeing the results of this. But, but, but here Jesus says, this is what's going to happen to you. Think about what's going on through their heads. This, this, this roller coaster of emotions where Jesus says, you are the answer to the world's problems. You will have authority. But wait, not to overpower people. Yes, yes, I want you to go out and you will find somebody to receive you, but not everyone. I want you to be shrewd as snakes, I want, but I want you to be innocent as doves. I want you to have power and authority to cleanse things, but I want you to do it gently. So be in your guard because you are going to get flogged. You notice that this is happening one di- like one piece of dialogue, this, this, this constant up and down, and the disciples don't know what's going on. Their heads are swirling. Jesus says, you will be handed over. You will be handed over, and you will be flogged. Verse 18, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. For at that time, you will be given what to say. Have you heard that phrase or that expression? That in the, in the moment of necessity, God will give you what to say? It's, it's a marvelous promise here. Because the disciples are thinking, I've never been in front of governors before. I have never been in front of kings before. And Jesus says, not only are you going to be flogged, you know, as an example of punishment and shame, but you are also going to be brought into the presence of very important people. There's this constant tension between what, what's going to be required of you and what opportunity will be presented before you. And Jesus says, and when, when, when they grab you, when they take you, you are going to have an opportunity to witness, not just to the guy down the street, but to governors and kings. Have you ever met uh, dignitaries, very important people? Anybody met the president? Shake the president's hand. Yes, really? Which one? Clinton. Oh, nice. I feel your pain. It's quite an honor. It's quite an honor, and 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 most people are not quite sure what to do or what. To, what did you say? What did you tell them? <laughs> you stay right here. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. It's quite an honor, and not everyone gets an audience with important people. I mean, right now they're on the campaign trail, so you might, you know, you might get a picture here. But not everyone gets an audience, much less, as Jesus is describing here, to witness, to testify, to speak a word in front. And then Jesus says, but when that happens, not if, but when that happens, don't worry about what you're going to say, for at that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. What an amazing promise. So here's the disciples. At every turn, they're, they're, Jesus is contrasting what he's going to require of them and, and, and what they'll have to put in. There's this constant going back and forth. Because every time Jesus says, this is what you're going to do, the disciples in their mind, just like you and I, respond by saying, I can't do that. I'm not capable of doing that. And then Jesus says, it's not about you. 
Every time they, they come across this responsibility and they look and they see the magnitude of the task, the disciples take a step back in their mind. They said, how am I going to do that? And Jesus says, God will provide. They're about to be sent out to, to preach and to teach and to do all these things that they're not really trained for. In fact, they've only spent a certain amount of time with Jesus. Imagine for a second if Jesus showed up here today and he asked us and talked to us in the same way. What would be going through your mind? What if he said, oh, look out that window. See those houses right there? Yeah. There's a ton of people in this little neighborhood right here. And they know you're here. And you know they're there. But these two paths have never met. What if he said, there's a harvest so full right there in, and down there across the street. And down there by Plaza Bonita. I mean, just right here in the neighborhood. And he said, there's so many people out there that are harassed and helpless. And they need a word of hope. So I'm sending you. How'd you feel about that? What would your response be? Sign me up. Let's go. Jesus says, but, 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 but before I send you out, I'm going to give you authority. You're going to do some amazing things. Your reaction like mine would be, well, I've never done that. Have you, by the way, raised any dead people lately that I should know about? I've never done that. And, 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 and Jesus says, but I'm going to give you authority. The disciples are saying, wait a minute. Okay, if, if, if you say so, then Jesus says, but I want you to go out. And I don't want you to use the power that I give you for your own benefit. He's challenging the notions that we have. He's challenging the ideas that we have. Oftentimes, we have mis misunderstood what God is trying to tell us and what he's sending us out, what our true purpose is. Oftentimes, we as a people have received mercy, grace from God, and yes, even authority to speak over diseases, speak over things. But rather than to bring healing, rather than to bring hope, we bring judgment. And Jesus says, that's not what it's for. So I want you to go out with gentleness. Even if the door gets shut on your face, just move on. Shake it off. Move on. But understand that if you're doing this right, people are going to flog you. Understand that if you're doing this right, they will arrest you. But don't worry if that was to happen, Jesus says. Don't worry if, if things don't go as planned. Don't worry if you encounter difficulties. Don't worry if it's tough. I'm going to be with you. I will even give you what to say. Imagine that. That you don't have to know how to approach somebody. That you don't have to know what to say specifically. Because God promises that he will speak for you. <clears throat> I think the disciples are really scared. Just like you're looking at me right now. You're wondering what, 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 what's going to happen next. Is he really going to send us out there? That's probably what's going on through your mind. You know these sliding doors do open. For quick access. Jesus continues, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Verse 21, chapter 10. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. 
but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see that constant contrast there? All men will hate you because of me. Now, there are some of us, it's just part of our nature, who love to live in conflict. There are some of us, my father's one of them, he can't stand having friends. He prefers enemies. So he's constantly instigating fights. And know anybody like that? Who just can't, you know, if everyone goes right, he wants to go. He just likes, he just likes to pick fights. I don't know why. I think he's scared of something. But most of us would actually prefer that people like us. Most of us actually want to be liked. Most people, with the exception of my father and maybe a few others, want to be liked. We enjoy that others love, respect, honor, admire us. But Jesus suggests that if we're actually living out the purpose here, he says all men will hate you. Isn't that weird? I mean, is that what you signed up for? Do you think that's what the disciples signed up for? When Jesus said, come, follow me, we're going to do some amazing things. We're going to be fishers of men. But by the way, everyone's going to hate you. I don't think he said that the first go around. Maybe they would have not signed up at all. But he's clear here. He says, you're going to be flogged. Some people are going to throw you out. Some people are going to hand you over. And you will be hated by all men. It's, it's a very stark picture of the result of doing God's work. But then he follows it up by saying, but if you stand firm to the end, you will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. See, I just think that as the disciples are listening to this and hearing this, they don't know what to think or what to do. You, because you have, you have the word, you understand that the disciples actually did follow through on Jesus' instructions. But put yourself in a moment for just a second. I think it's a more appropriate position to be in because by and large, none of us have been suffering these kinds of consequences. And that should tell us something. Consider this. Jesus said previously, when you go out on this journey, don't remember, don't take any bags, no gold, no cash, no credit cards, nothing. He says, for a worker is worth his keep. Right? That means the person who's really doing his job will know he's really doing his job. And how, what are the evidences that you are doing your job? Jesus says that this is the kind of opposition you will encounter. Why is this important to you and me? I'll tell you why. Jesus says, a student, verse 24, a student is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? He says, they didn't understand this. This was all kind of mumble jumble to them. But Jesus says, watch out, learn, and understand. The way they're going to treat me represents the way they're going to treat you. If and only if you're a member of my household, if and only if you are actually living out the purpose that I've placed you in this world for. Why does that matter to you and me? Because a worker is worth his keep. Because unless you're encountering some kind of opposition, it means you're doing nothing. See? The provisions that God gives, both the words in, in, in your mouth, are only there when you have to speak them. 
The provisions that God gives, the financial resources are only there when you're taking risks on God's behalf. The provisions that God gives, the ability to heal, to to bring hope, are only there if you're actually trying to do that. But most of us have lost sight of that as a church. This is the funny thing about being Adventist and being Christian. Some of us grew up in this church, and we have lived under the safety and the shelter of being in church. Being part of this little safe little world where, where the outside influences are kept outside. And we never had to risk anything. Never had to face any significant opposition challenged to our beliefs. We went to Adventist schools and Adventist colleges and lived in Adventist ghettos. You know what that means, right? And we've had this safe little predictable life. And that's why we've never tasted real authority from God. God's provisions are there for when you need them. But some of us have never needed them. And we've been comfortable to just come, sit, hang out, and then live in obscurity. Jesus says, do not be afraid of these things. Don't be afraid of these things. He says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Conflicting language here, Jesus is saying. What I tell you in the dark, he's saying, I'm, I'm speaking these things close. This isn't how we tell everyone. This isn't how, this isn't how it starts. But come close, and I'm going to tell you your purpose, your mission. But once you've got that, you've got to go out and speak it out in public. Here's one of the things that's difficult for us as Christians, especially Seventh-day Adventists, is that we're scared to really know what God wants from me. We're afraid of that. We'll say, I want to know God's purpose. I want to know what he wants. I want to know. I want to know. But we really don't want. You know why? Because we're afraid of what he's going to say in the dark. We are afraid that he's actually saying these exact same things. We don't really want to know that. We're good Adventists. We believe that as long as I don't know, God can't hold me accountable. We want everyone else to know, but I want to keep him at arm's length. I don't want to really come close. I don't really want to come close to the heart of Jesus. I, I just want to be blessed by him. I just want to receive the blessings, but I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to take any other risks. I want to come close enough so that I can get the, the, the spilling, but I don't want to come that close where he can whisper things. Things that say to you and me, you're wasting your time sitting here. You are ignoring your purpose. You are wasting opportunities. You are risking nothing for me. But you were meant to. You were meant to. I paid a heavy price to give you that purpose. And the need is so vast. Don't be afraid of those circumstances. 
Don't be afraid of what people might say or think, what your neighbors, friends, or relatives, or those that I'm sending you out to. Or don't, don't be afraid of the way they're going to treat you. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Be afraid instead of ignoring this call. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. No, no, no. The worst thing, the thing you really should be afraid of is ignoring God's purpose for us as a church and as an individual. Because that will destroy your soul. That will destroy the meaning of you. Don't be afraid of the dark. Jesus says, come close. Let me tell you exactly. Let me tell you exactly what I want you to do. I want you to stop sitting around. I want you to take some risks. Just look around. The need is so great. And who's doing anything about it? Maybe it's supposed to be you.